Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue our final study of the Jewish people as seen in the life of Joseph. Today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. At that point, they were convinced he was not holding it against them. He had forgiven them. And after that, they had a relationship because forgiveness had taken place. Until anybody, until the Jewish people come to a place where they ask forgiveness for their sin and acknowledge it, and where they receive the Yom Kippur, the eternal Yom Kippur, the atonement for their sins, they receive the forgiveness of their sins once and for all because of the great sacrifice that was made on their behalf. After that, anybody, the Jewish people, can speak to God and talk with him because they know now there's nothing between. All of it has been dealt with. All of it has been paid for. All of it has been forgiven. All of it is gone. And God says, I'll take all your sin and I'll cast it behind my back. I'll throw it in the depths of the sea. I will remember it no more. I'll separate it as far as the east is from the west. I will not hold it in front of you. I will not keep a record of it. I will not repeat it to you. I will not turn on that cassette recorder and start playing all your sins. Do you remember any of this? I will not do it. Because I will forgive. And when I forgive, I can't even remember it. And when that's done, now we can talk. Now we can have a relationship. The Lord Jesus Christ said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. It's the relationship. The relationship is salvation. The relationship is life. The relationship is eternal life. Tragically speaking, worst thing a person can do in their life is to say, I have another way. I got some pretty impressive stuff that I want to impress God with here. I'm pretty hot stuff. Boy, can I do. And they come before God and they say, Lord, got a lot of righteousness here. And he says, all your righteousness are as filthy rags. Or they'll come and say, Lord, 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 Lord. Remember me? I cast out devils. I do many wonderful works in your name. Uh, I got quite a CV here, God. You see all this stuff I did for you? And you know what he says to them? I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. It's all about relationship. How do you get a relationship with God? You don't work your way into it. You ask forgiveness of your way into it. You remove, based on Calvary, based on the cross, based on where the Messiah died, you remove what is keeping you between you and your God by confessing your sin, by saying, that lamb on that cross died for my sins. He's my lamb. I'm trusting in his death. It's not what I do. It's what he did. And then God says, all right now. Now we can talk with each other. And that's the relationship that brings life. And they talked with each other. They talked. And that was wonderful. What a day that was when they talked, when his brother talked with him. And everybody found out about it. And, and uh, jo- Joseph brought his, his father back in. And it was a wonderful, wonderful deliverance. And that... Is a, is, is a picture of the Jews' beginning from Joseph and of the Jews' present condition 
and what's going to happen, the great tragedy, and the great, great good outcome. But as far as the present goes right now, Israel does have a future. And so now look at Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 2. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2. What we have just seen in the, in, in the, with the history of Joseph is that there was this terrible affliction that happened with this famine that came. Well, it's coming, unfortunately. And here it says in Zechariah 14, 2, God says, and I want you to remember this word, I. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. All nations are going to come against Israel. How can all nations come against Israel? Well, you know, uh, I've, I've seen how when Israel was first a country, hey, pioneer country, that's great. Boy, look at them, that's really good. There were a lot of nations that stood with Israel. South Africa stood with Israel and came apartheid. Holland stood with Israel and they turned. England stood with Israel and the white paper. Many nations stood with Israel, but they don't. And now it can be argued, as far as the major nations goes, there's only one. And even that stand is now in question. And now all of a sudden, there's a country there was nothing more in the past than just a Bedouin place with shepherds and, and camels. Now they got nuclear reactors all over their country, Iran. And Israel, for the first in the past, they said, oh, we're Israel, we've got the most mighty military, we'll defeat all of our enemies, we will, they'll not come in. But now Israel has began to sing a different tune, and they're beginning to talk about something called the Samson strategy. And the Samson strategy is basically, all right, There's too many reactors, we understand, we can't take them all out, but we will be like Samson. Samson died, and in his death, he killed more Philistines than in his life. So if we're going to be taken out by nuclear weapons, we will make sure that many Iranians also are taken out at the same time, the Samson strategy. He says, I will bring all nations against them. Then you look in Zechariah 13.9, and it says here, it says, And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I'll hear them. Now, he says, I will bring the third part through fire. That means that two-thirds of them will be killed and one-third will remain. You know, at the the start of uh, Nazi Germany, there were about 18 million Jews alive. Hitler killed one-third, six million. Now, they built up a little bit more about 13 maybe million. He said that was one-third. We call that the catastrophe, the Shoah. It was awful. It was one-third. The the part here that's being referred to, also referred in the Bible as Jacob's trouble, is twice as bad. Two-thirds are going to be killed. Not two-thirds remain, but two-thirds are going to be killed, and one-third is going to remain. And then it says, back over in Zechariah 14, Three, it says, and the Lord shall go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand on that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. 
and there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall be moved toward the north, and half of it toward the south. So what's going to happen here? At that time, when it looks as though it's all finished, and it's going to be, they're going to be annihilated, and as this, the God himself, who they don't know, is going to come and fight against those nations who are threatening to exterminate the last third. That's what's going to happen. It says that there. And then what they're going to, they're going to come to a point where they're going to say, Who art thou? Who art thou, Lord? And he's going to say, Ani Yeshua. I am Jesus. And they're going to realize that. And it's going to be, it's going to be unbelievable. And it says here in, 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 in Zechariah 13, 6, it says, when he sells himself, he says, 13, 6, it says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? In other words, when when he's there and he's near to them and they see this great conqueror who they've been waiting for so long and they come to him and say, wait, wait, let me me see the hands, let me see the hands, the hands, the hands. And and he looked at that hand and said, what what are those? What? 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 You're the great king. You you, you just killed all of our enemies. What's in your hands? It says there in Zechariah, it it says this. What's in your hands? And then he says, then he shall answer, those which which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I'm Jesus whom you crucified. See those hands? Those are the nail print hands. What? Those, that's what they're wounded in the house of my friends. My friends? Yeah. You were my friends. You wounded me. Oh. Then it says in, in Zechariah 12.10, it says, and I, now remember the eye, because the eye was the same eye who gathered all nations against him, and the eye is the one who, who was wounded in his hands. But now it says in Zechariah uh, 12.10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they shall look upon me, the eye that gathered all the nations against them, the eye that defeated the nations, the eye that has the hands, he said, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his only son. And it says, in that day there shall, be, shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as in the morning of Hadadarim, Ramon, and in the, va- in the valley of Megiddo, and the m- land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart, the family of Shimei apart, their wives apart, all the families remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be such a tremendous tsuros, a heartbreak within their heart, that they're going to go through such a deep mourning that they're going to say, you, I can't mourn with you, wife. I can't mourn with you, husband. Leave me alone. I've got to mourn in my loneliness. I've just, this is such a depth of, of hurt in my heart. And they're going to mourn like that. And they're going to cry out to God. And they're going to say, what did we do? It's going to be the greatest, oh no, moment. What have we done in history? It's, this is what's described here. And it's going to be horrible when that happens. Because it says they're going to look on him whom they pierced. Whom they pierced. They're going to say, it was us who did it. Yeah, we turned to the Romans, but it was us. They're going to say, look on him whom they pierced. Oh, but thank God there is a Zechariah 13.1. Thank God. 
that Zechariah starts off with and says, and in that day, the next verse, there is no chapter break in the original. And then that verse in, in, in uh, Zechariah 13 says, in that day, in that day, God doesn't leave him there for long, but in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. For sin and uncleanness. It's going to be open at that day. For sin and uncleanness. It'll be open. There's been the fountain open for so long for Gentiles. You go to churches, it's like a sign that says, there's the fountain open for sin and uncleanness. There's a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. A fountain has been opened, but the fountain has been closed. Every time I, in the past, before I was saved, when I'd go into a church, I'd say, oh, I'm not going to that church. Whoa, you're going to that church? Whoa, I guess where they go, go after you and say, you killed my God, and you make Ku Klux Klan cross. Anyway, uh, no, 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 it was closed. It was like Jews, no. But in this day, the fountain's going to be opened for the house of David, it says, unto the inhabitants of Jerusalem for two things, two things we need so much in each one of our lives. We need to be forgiven for our sins and we need to be cleansed from our uncleanness. And this is the fountain, the fountain that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that forgives us of our sins and it cleanses us from the uncleanness, the offense that we did toward God. That's the chet, that's the sin. The uncleanness in our heart, what it left us with, the shame, the guilt, the mourning and everything, it's all going to be washed away in that day. What a day is coming. Now, then they're redeemed. Then they're the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they're the people of the Jewish Messiah. Then they are the ones who can bless all the families of the earth. Then finally God has waited so long. But now salvation can be coming freely, may much, much more from the Jews, as the Lord Jesus Christ said to the woman at the well. Salvation is from the Jews. And so what's going to happen? It says in Zechariah 8, if you look at that, Zechariah 8, verse 23, now they're redeemed, and it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all, na- all, all languages of the nations. Can you imagine that? Ten men speaking ten different languages are going to take hold of one person's skirt, even the, even, um, shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard God is with you. Let me read it again. In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all nations, uh, out of all languages of nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard God is with you. Oh, it's a comical scene. I can't imagine it. Ten men coming, grabbing all of somebody's uh, garment there, and say, and all speaking. Is this one speaking? This one speaking uh, Amharic. And this one speaking Cantonese. And this one speaking Eskimo. This one speaking uh, Japanese. And and this one speaking Ghanaian. And this one's. They got ten men, ten languages, and they. I don't even know how they communicate with each other. And if somebody figures out what are they saying, they said, "We're going with you." Why? Because we need God. And we know God's with you. You are the people of Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Our togetherness with God. God is together with you. And we need God. And you will lead us to God. You will teach us to God. You will bring us to the Jewish Messiah. Taking the hold of him that is a Jew. I just have some friends right now. They're down in Mexico City. And where a wonderful thing has happened, and 20 Orthodox Jews 
have come to the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to a church, a Baptist church. And they come there and they look with their yarmulkes and, the, and, and this is a big church. It's about 5,000 people in Mexico City. And they, they sit in the front row drinking in, learning about their Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Found, saved, redeemed. But I'm sure they're looking around like I felt and they're thinking, did we just become Gentiles? Did we stop being Jewish? Are we, are we now Gentiles? No. They became Jews. Because when a Gentile comes to the Jewish Messiah, in his heart, he becomes a Jew spiritually because he's aligning himself with the Jewish Messiah. And this is what's going to happen. And then there's going to be purpose because then these Jews are going to come and say, yes, we are the people that crucified him, but God meant it for good and it brought a great deliverance and now let's move on with life because God has forgiven sin. And there will be the great, great purpose that comes to them when they will become the people of God. And God will say, as he says in Zechariah, they will say, the Lord is my God, and I will say, you are my people. That's the future of Israel. They were saved. They were created. They were originated for that purpose. But Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep said with Frank Sinatra, I think I'll do it my way. I did it my way. And they went astray. Not God's way, their way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Not God's way. Theme song in hell, I did it my way. Theme song in heaven, I did it God's way. But, Isaiah 53 says, the Lord hath laid on him, the Jewish Messiah, the God who became a man, the iniquity of us all. Great trouble comes, change of heart will come, Conversion will come. Repentance of sin, confession of sin, forgiveness of sin will come. A new person will be born. A new nation will be born. A nation will be born in a day. The nation that should have been will be born in a day. That nation will be the ambassadors, the representatives, the leaders bringing salvation to the whole earth. And Paul says that will be life from the dead. When that occurs, that's the day, that's the hope, that's the future, that's the goal that God has slated from the beginning and will take place because God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Paul asked that question. Has God cast away his people whom he foreknew? Paul said, may I please step to the front and and enter myself as exhibit A? For I also am an Israelite. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. And Paul said, my life is just a pattern for those who hereafter shall believe. You saw me on the road to Damascus. You saw how God struck me down. You saw how God said it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You saw how I said to God, who are you, Lord? I don't know who you are. You saw how God said to me, I am Jesus, whom you persecuted. You saw how I repented, you saw how I was saved, and you saw how I became the apostle to the Gentiles, bringing this good news of life and salvation to the world that all families of the earth should be blessed. You saw that? You said, Paul said, I'm the pattern. I am the forerunner. I am the pattern for them who hereafter shall believe. 
And it's all laid out for us here in the, in the, uh, in the book of Zechariah. Thank God that he does have that for us. Tom, you talked about how Joseph completely forgave his brothers. What happens when God forgives our sins? You know, there's a, uh, a great, very personal, but yet very, very revealing incident which happened in the Bible to David, king of Israel. You know, if you were David, king of Israel, you might say to yourself, you know, the sin that I had with Bathsheba and the killing of her husband, uh, can you just leave that out of the Bible? Do you have to put that in there for everybody to read for eternity? I mean, it's a little embarrassing. It's something I want to forget. But God put it in there, and he also recorded in there the prayer that David made when he was in the heat of it when Nathan the prophet came to him, pointed to him, and said, you are the man. You are the man who killed his lover's husband, her lover's, his lover's husband, Bathsheba, and then took the wife. You're the man. You did the sin. And when his heart was really, was really broken with it all and, 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 and he couldn't hardly speak, he wrote down the words of Psalm 51. And he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. And then he said these words, Blot out my transgressions. A few verses down, verse 9, same chapter, 51, Psalm 51, verse 9. David says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. What a precious thought to think that what God does when he forgives our sins is he takes his holy eraser and he erases the sins out of his book. And But this eraser is really, it's not a, it's not a common eraser this eraser is like his blood because when he blots it out, it means he blots over it. And as he blots over it, he can't see it anymore. And that's what's meant when it says, blot out my transgressions, blot out my iniquities. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ is so necessary because he is he is the sacrifice for us with the blood that we need to blot out our sins, to blot out our iniquity so God can't see him anymore. And, and in effect, it hides God's face from our sins. Now, Tom, I'm used to thinking of Paul as a pattern for how to live the life of a believer. But you were talking about Paul in a different way, as kind of a pattern for the Jewish people. Yeah, Paul was a wonderful pattern for how to live the life of a believer. But when he was talking in 1 Timothy 1.16 as being a pattern for the Jewish people, he wasn't talking about how to live the life of a believer. He was talking about how to become a believer. And what he said in that verse in 1 Timothy 1.16, he said, how be it, for this cause I obtained mercy. So the first thing Paul says, and he wants to pull our attention to, is mercy. When the Jewish people come to him, it's all going to be it's it's going to be all about the mercy of God. And then he said that in me first, and he knew that he was the first fruits, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering 
for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. What was he saying? He was saying, a big harvest of Jewish people is coming. And I realize that I'm the first fruits. He may not have realized that the harvest was going to take over 2,000 years, but it doesn't matter. He says, I realize, he realized he was the first, that in me first, and he realized that he was, he showed forth in his life the Lord Jesus Christ showing patience and showing what he called long-suffering, suffering a long time with him, putting up with him for a very long time. And he said, this is a pattern to them which should after believe. And he said, and this belief is bringing people right into the benefit of life everlasting. He was saying to the Jewish people, look at me, look at my life. You see how terrible I was before I was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? I wasn't worse than you. You see how the Lord Jesus Christ was patient with me and put up with me for such a long time? That's a pattern. You see how I came into through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's God, that he's a savior. You see how I came into life everlasting? That's your pattern. That's your map. Take the map of my life. Use it for yourself. And welcome to life everlasting. Thank you for joining us today. Tom Cannon will bring us a new Bible study for Monday. But go to friendshipwithgod.org to learn more or call us at one 800 247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us again next week at the same time.